The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome to Leadership for Life with Gina Gardner on W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV. Join your host who is a multiple number one international best-selling author, motivational speaker, empowerment and transformational leadership coach and trainer. She's the founder of Genuinely Hyphen You and has 30 years experience of helping people step into their genuine authentic power. And now here is Gina Gardner, your host of Leadership for Life. Hello there. And a huge welcome to the show. And as always, I've got an amazing guest to share with you. Michael Cahill and I go back a long way. We've both trained in neuro-linguistic programming in 2005 together. But more about that later. I just want to remind you that anybody who comments or asks a question during a live show or contacts me through Gina Gardner or Gina at Genuinely You um, to make a comment or question, that we will give um, donate to uh, B1G1. More about that later if you don't know about it. But um, please then choose which thing you would like us to donate to, whether that's education, put an E, um, feeding the hungry, put an F, um, clean water, put a W, um, or the environment, put an E. Now, I want to talk to you about managing our emotions. I was involved in a really interesting discussion on Clubhouse today, all about bullying. What was interesting is that they had done um, a, uh, a questionnaire around, a poll around bullying. And it asked how many people felt that they had been bullied in the workplace. 93% of people who responded to this, and, and many people responded to the poll, said that they had been bullied in the workplace. When we were involved in the discussion, it was about, you know, how do you manage that? What can you do? How can you avoid it? One of the things that came up is that not only had most people been bullied in the workplace, but a very large proportion of people had felt that they were bullied at school or in their family or in their, in their uh, friendship contacts. And it struck me that it was really quite opposite that that was happening today because our theme is about how do you manage your emotional state? And when Michael comes on, we're going to be talking about that in the context of leadership and business. But I just want to start the show by asking you to think about how often you go into a place where you are not really in control of your emotions. Now, I don't mean that you're completely out of control, but I do mean that actually you're not thinking about them, that your conscious mind's not involved, and so you're being reactive to something rather than truly engaging with your emotional state and making informed decisions about how you are going to be and how you're going to respond. You know, you look in the news, there's incident after incident which is created because somebody has lost their temper or somebody has gone out of control. You know, whether we're talking about gun or knife crime or talking about um, domestic abuse, 
all of those things which are pretty heavy going all of those stem from people not being in control of their emotions and and the state in which they operate within the world now it's easy for me to sit here i'm not under pressure um and you know you could say well you know it's just a spur of the moment thing it's just you can't help it it's just a reaction but the reality is you can help it it's your choice whether or not you are mindful about things um, and we're going to explore some strategies in terms of business but they're just as useful in your in your personal life and in your personal relationships but before we get on to that after the break i just want to share with you some examples that i've commonly commonly come across the core i need to put my teeth in um with clients you know the situation where you know, people believe that they're a victim to what's going on and that people are being unkind to them or unfair to them or they don't feel as if they have a voice and i ask the question so how have you handled it and they look back at me and often quite blankly especially if they're new clients and i ask them to think about how have you been and how do you believe that that has either allowed people to get away with things or it's contributed to things getting more volatile or that they've just been a passive victim to what's gone on and there are any number of other reactions too but they're perhaps three of the main ones and it's interesting for me when i'm working with people how getting them to understand that they actually have the power to change things simply by the way in which they're being that for some people is what turns things around because instead of being a passive victim to what goes on they take control of their life they become the leaders of their own life step into their genuine power now that can feel overwhelming if it's not your way of being naturally but you can learn how to do it and the old saying fake it till you make it is really quite useful because you know people will say well i don't feel confident to do that but the reality is that the more you do it the more confident you'll be at it and ultimately you know ma mastering your own state gives you the power and control over your destiny when you're not managing your own state you are so much in the the throes of that emotional state and in other people's reactions to that emotional state that you leave yourself incredibly vulnerable and indeed at times the other person you know i think about when i was a head teacher or principal and the parents would would say to me you know i can't control him at home or her at home they're rude to me they won't help they 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 just they just won't do as i tell them but i come to school and they do is what you want and what's the difference and the difference was quite small and yet quite profound the first thing is i expected to be listened to that my body language my my frame of mind was of course you're going to listen to me why wouldn't you where parents very often get into that white noise it's almost all like being in a, in a tumble dryer that that noise just grumbles on in the background and the children are doing something that you don't want them to do 
and you know parents are getting very uh, irritable and telling them off or shouting at them and wondering why the children aren't listening and it's because you are in a state that they are used to there it there's no difference for them oh there she goes again or there he oh it's just daddy's angry or oh mum's nagging again because there is nothing that punctuates that particular state and makes it any different from earlier in the day or yesterday or last week and one of the things for women to recognize is that the, the tone of their voice is very similar to that of children men generally have a lower voice which stands outside the noise that children are making and so when you lower your voice and i would say not only lower, lower the pitch but you start to speak quietly instead of it becoming a competition of who can shout the loudest that in my experience children will start to quieten down and to listen but of course the other thing is that what you say has to be backed up with what you do consistently and this is true for children teenagers partners and, and indeed in your work colleagues or your team that if you say something but you don't follow it through the next time you say it people won't listen now if you say that and you're irritable you're frustrated you're angry what people hear is the tone and they don't hear the essence of what you're trying to say so learning to have a neutral voice gives them far less wriggle room because instead of them being triggered by that tone of voice that irritability the fact that you're shouting at them they have to then or they're more likely then to listen to what you have to say rather than the way in which you're saying it and all of that requires you to manage your statement and i'd say to you if you're a parent and you're listening to this or if you have a partner where you tend to argue or you're in the workplace manage your state first take some deep breaths you're going to have learned lots of techniques and, and the importance of that after the break but go away from the situation and come back but recognize that if you say you're going to do something the minute you don't do it you've lost the game so let's go back to parents how often do you use the word no one of the reasons as a, a principal or head teacher it worked very well for me is i only used no when i meant it i didn't use the word no if i was going to give in if i was not sure whether i was going to say yes or no i'd say well convince me i'll think about it but when i actually said the words no two letters very little word it was incredibly powerful because it meant no and so they didn't kick against it they knew that they could dance along that line but if they went over the line that they would find that there were consequences and so i would say to you if you want an easier life where your children listen to you your partner listens to you then cultivate your own state of being manage your voice use a neutral voice as i am using now rather than one that's got a whine or an edge to it because the minute there is that edge to it people grab hold of that instead of grabbing what you're saying and listening to it 
ultimately, as I say so often on this show, you're the common denominator. You take you into every situation. And I can pretty well guarantee that if you don't manage your state in one situation, it's pretty likely that you do it in other situations too. So whether we're talking about your personal life or your professional life, managing your state and learning how to do that effectively and consistently is a real game changer. Now, after the break, I'm going to introduce Michael Cahill to you. He's a great friend and he's an amazing guy with so many um, levels to his experience. And we're going to explore how managing your state can help in leadership roles in business and so on. So don't go away. I'll see you after the break. You have been listening to Gina Gardner on Leadership for Life. We'll be back after this quick break. Want to get the best out of life personally and professionally? Are you ready to step into a life which excites and fulfills you? Well, the right place for you is Leadership for Life with Gina Gardner on W4CY Radio and Talk4TV. We will share with you stories from inspiring people, a wide range of guest experts, and lots of practical strategies to help you get the very best out of your personal and professional life. Leadership for Life is a radio and TV show focused on helping you live a happier, more successful, and fulfilling life. Join international best-selling author, motivational speaker, empowerment and transformational leadership coach and trainer, Gina Gardner, live every Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV. Become the leader of your own life. Gina Gardner's number one international best-selling book, Thriving Not Surviving, The Five Secret Pathways to Happiness, Success, and Fulfillment, provides you with the foundational principles on which to become the best leader of your own life. It's available as an ebook, paperback, hardback, and as an audio from genuinely-you.com or also from Amazon. Every one of the principles have been proven to work for the countless people who have used them, including the author. Now, let's put them to work for you. If you're ready to discover your true leadership life design, accelerate your journey with an invitation to join Gina for a Leadership for Life VIP Day. Choose your journey of self-discovery where Gina will help you navigate your way to happiness, success, and fulfillment. To find out more, email gina at genuinely-u.com. Welcome back to Leadership for Life. Here is your host, Gina Gardner. Hello there. Let me tell you a little bit about Michael. He's a highly experienced trainer, systemic coach and facilitator, blending a rich and deep knowledge of coaching and facilitation with considerable experience of business and investment. Michael spent 16 years as an equity analyst, 10 in a top-rated team at UBS. The author of the highly acclaimed The Financial Times Guide to Making the Right Investment Decisions, Coaching. He works with companies and individuals to transform their thinking and to create more value. And he's here to create more value with us. So without more ado, let me welcome Michael Cahill. Hello, Gina. How are you? I'm great, thank you. I'm so pleased to have you here. It's good to be here. Thank you. 
why do you think that managing your state is so important for leaders? Because I think very simply, if it's clear that you can't lead your own state, what permission does that give you to lead others? And lots of us talk about leadership and leadership coaching and the like, but you're only a leader if people are prepared to follow. Yeah. And really, I think we're in an environment that is so complex and so volatile. And I've been looking at investment markets, as your introduction kindly said, I've been looking at investment markets since about 1983. And I can't remember the volatility and complexity being anything like this. No. So the reality is that we're in an external environment, and this is before we get to COVID, we're in an external environment that is really uncertain. Mm -hmm. And it's very easy in such an environment to fall into a trap of being very fearful of it. Yeah. And I think what great leaders can do is because they can, as it were, self-regulate, and you've touched upon that in, in your piece a little bit, they can self-regulate and manage their own state often through very simple devices such as kind of coherent breathing, which I can explain in a moment. But that ability to manage your own state is especially important when you're in an environment of uncertainty where fear could very easily take over. And so I think leading in this environment, the current environment, you need leaders, and we're all looking for leaders, who create safety. Yes. And... For that, they've got to feel very secure and be very, very mindful in their own body to create the safety for others. And that's something that I think is really interesting for us, particularly those leaders who perhaps gain their position through a lot of expertise. Yeah. You know, that their, their status, if you will, and their position in the organization comes from being an expert. Now, in a leadership role, I think if we're all honest and put our hands up, we've got no idea what's going on. No. You know, just think of the supply chain crisis. What's inflation going to be like in 18 months' time? What's in, where are interest rates going to be? How strongly or otherwise is the economy going to bounce back? Hybrid working, etc. So the trick is, you know, and I think this would be, a, if you like, a, a conversational way of putting it is... Anybody can be confident when they know everything that's going on. Yeah, easy to be confident when things are going well, isn't it? But can you be confident with all of this uncertainty around? And again, you mentioned this in the teaching analogy. I'll put it in a leadership context, although it's obviously both contexts are about leadership. Is So how can you show up, if you will, exuding confidence, creating safety, creating confidence in you, even when you don't know what's going on, even when. And so can you be confident at the same time as you feel highly uncertain? And I think that's a real skill for leadership. And it's something that interests me a great deal, um, because I think in a lot of organisations, if you, if you, you know, talking about this leadership and state, I think a lot of organizations, there is a climate of fear. I think that cost cutting, restructuring, the pressure to perform, uh, having to hit targets, whether they be 
financial or otherwise, there's a lot of pressure. And I think inadvertently, those environments create a state of pressure and a state of fear. Am I going to have my job? And I, and I just think that, again, as leaders, we have to kind of say, well, actually, this pressure and this state that the organisation is in isn't going to be one in which performance can be delivered. So as leaders, I think you're responsible for the implicit, if you like, the culture. And if there's a culture of fear, and you mentioned bullying, you know, if there's a culture of bullying, you know, people at the top have to take responsibility for that. What is the climate? What is the state that allowed that? And I think just on that, which is a slight deviation from what I was going to intend, I think uh, to say, but I think a really useful triangle that I think helps leaders in this responsibility to create an environment within which people can flourish is that there are uh, there's a triangle of what, what sometimes referred to as the three deep hungers. Mm-hmm. And one of those is psychological safety. Yeah. People perform best when they feel safe. And so as a leader, are you doing that for your organisation? Do you see it as even something in your leadership um skill set creating psychological safety because it's vital for those that work with you and it's vital for them to show up fully as they are and to contribute fully they need to feel psychologically safe the other dimension of this triangle if you will is recognition people need to be seen and heard that also adds to the safety i would argue but it's a separate uh, element what do you do to make sure people are recognized and not just recognized for achieving a goal yeah but just recognized for who they are and what they bring and both are important and the other aspect of this is are you creating an environment a state if you will where people feel that they belong they know the rules of belonging and they know how to belong and if they make a mistake you know, they can receive feedback in a culture that doesn't threaten that belonging. It supports it. So it's not, you know, something that's going to jeopardise them or put them into fear. Because then I hear this from a lot of my clients is that they keep saying, well, you know, no one will take risks in this organisation. Well, no kidding, because if they make a mistake, (laughs) really punished and they don't feel psychological safety, and their belonging would be jeopardized if they were to make a mistake. Why would you take a risk? And so all of these things, I think, feed into creating an environment that allows performance. And I think it's it's very easy. And I, I get again, I get this with clients where people want to focus on the performance first. And what I'm trying to encourage us to consider is actually we need to create the state. We need to create the environment where people feel seen, where they feel safe, both physically and emotionally and psychologically, and where they belong. And that produces the performance. I couldn't agree with you more. What you've offered is really rich. And I'd just like to unpick a few uh, things within that. For me, um, great leaders are able to demonstrate um leadership in a way that offers hope and for me when you are, have a leaders who are working from a place of fear one of the casualties of that is that people's vulnerability um levels go up 
as you've said, so they don't perform well and it becomes a self-perpetuating but spiraling down um, situation where the more they fear the, and the less they feel that, that they have ownership or that they are seen, the worse they perform. So the more draconian the situation becomes and so you end up with an ever decreasing performance. Whereas those leaders who actually are confident without being ego-driven or arrogant, who recognize that the, the, the solution lies in bringing the team together and using the very best that you have within the team together, those businesses are going to thrive. But I think for too long, we've seen businesses that have been driven by fear and it's one of the reasons why, I mean, the statistics are scary. Before the pandemic, 2019, in the UK alone, absenteeism because of stress cost £70 billion. And presenteeism, where people were present but not operating effectively because they were under stress, is thought to have cost well over uh, twice that. And if you consider that that in the Western world it is probably no not much different wherever you go, even without the human cost of that, that's an appalling waste, isn't it? It's 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 an incredible waste, and that stress and the burnout that seems to characterise a lot of organisations, and perhaps we can come back to that in a moment. And I just want to kind of reiterate that point about hope. I think that's absolutely right. It is about hope. But it, that hope has to be grounded. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. Rather than being delusional, if you see what I mean. We're not, we're not talking about Pollyanna here, are no, we? No, exactly. And I think that it's the, it's the hope that comes from having the flexibility and awareness that there are other ways through this. Yes. And you are seeing the problem very, very clearly. And it's that um, lovely uh, concept from Jim Collins's book, Good to Great, which is one of the business books that I uh, really enjoy. Um, and uh, he, in that, introduced me, uh, if not others, to the concept of the Stockdale paradox, you know, that it's, and the Stockdale paradox was that Stockdale was somebody who was imprisoned in a Japanese prisoner of war camp at the beginning of the war, the very beginning and survived the whole period which was incredibly rare and he was asked um well was it because you were more optimistic or more hopeful and he said no he said the optimists were dead by christmas <laughs> he said what you have to do in that situation is confront the brutal reality and know you will prevail yes. and i think that that's a, again coming back to this notion of state it's this thing is you've got to confront and acknowledge the reality that you're in and really connect through state to the resources you have to deal with this reality. And so I think there, I think in terms of state and state management, I think that it might be worth useful to sharing the three drivers of state, yeah. which are really number one, focus, number two physiology and number three language yeah those are the three principal drivers that 
we can control ourselves. You made a great point in the piece, in your introductory piece, about having agency. Yeah. And I'm encouraging us here to perhaps slice that agency down yeah. and say, right, okay, what is it that you're going to focus on first? And that piece about hope, and, and you also alluded to it, you know, is are you going to focus on the problem or are you going to focus on the solution? Because energetically, in terms of driving state, you can see that's very, very different. Because if I keep focusing on the problem, I'm going to make myself even more scared than I was to begin with. And it's, if you watch the news, that's what's going on day after day after day. Um, yes. People are really focusing on the problem. What you focus on seems to expand, doesn't it? Yes. You see, and in a business context, I think that's absolutely right about the news. And in a business context, if you focus on the problem, what, what will happen in a business context is that that environment will quickly shift to blame. Yeah. So, you know, blame and judgment are an integral part of the um, problem mindset, if you will. Yeah. Whereas if you focus on the solution, you're not looking to blame anybody. No. Because again, that's not going to make an environment where people feel safe or recognized if they're blamed. And invariably what happens in, and for those of the listeners in organizations and large organizations or indeed small organizations, in most situations where things go wrong, it's the system that's the problem, not the individual. But we like, and the media does this, who's going to lose their job? We need to blame a person run look at the wider systemic forces and influences and so i think the other things about that if if you focus on the problem what you tend to find is that uh people believe the problem to be permanent they believe it to be pervasive the three p's of the problem state i call it they believe the problem to be permanent pervasive it shows up in other parts of the organization or other parts of the individual and personal we make it personal and as you get older in life you realize nothing's personal people are far too busy thinking about other things than you so we need to get over that but it's also a blessed relief when you move towards solutions and i think that a lot of this other aspect of the problem mindset if you're focused on the problem is there's an incredible sense of cause and effect a caused b cause c and again, that causality doesn't really work in the real world. It's much more complex than that. And the solution mindset doesn't assume that the solution is the opposite of the problem. You've got all of these resources you can connect yeah. with. And in this context, what's also fascinating as a, uh, a writer that I'm particularly interested in, in systemic work called Bert Hellinger, who introduced family constellations to the world and uh, that work has been applied to business system, but he makes a fantastic point about problems and solutions. You know, he argues that problems attract company because everyone yeah. becomes curious about the problem. Yeah, and everyone can then, you know, whereas the solution can be quite lonely because having, you know, it's a bit like being happy can be a lonely place to hang out because everyone wants to be in their story, and the story attracts. Company, and gets that? bigger and worse and deeper and more difficult to to deal with because we love to exaggerate it everybody adds their little 
five pennies, don't they? And what happens is in an organisational setting, if the leader is doing that, they are recruiting the people yes. they are leading into their view of the world that this is a problem, yes. rather than what's the solution here? And the point that Helga makes, which I think is absolutely fascinating, is he argues, and in my experience, it's true. I mean, there's not a empirical evidence, but just my own sort of felt yes. sense of this is true, that he argues that resources only will serve a solution. So when you've got the solution in mind and you're focused on the solution, you'll find the resources. And certainly that's been my experience in my own situation as I go back to being a head teacher. We were the worst funded school in the district. But actually, um, when you look at what we did with our resources, we were actually engaging in a very, very different way. I'm conscious of time. And what I'd like to do, if that's agreeable with you, is you know, you talked about some very simple ways that people can adjust their state um, in order to feel it more resourced and more in control. And I'd be really grateful if you could share that. Yes, happily. Just to put it in the context of the elements of state management, as it were, yeah. focus, physiology and language. Yeah. So we've talked about what, we, what do we focus on. Physiology is the quickest way to change state, is we move. As soon as we move, our physiology is different. Um, there's a lot of work being done on fear um, by a lot of neuroscientists, and often the solution, the main solution, is to move. Yes. Um, and I think that's very, very interesting, because physiologically that makes a lot of sense. Well, go back to the fright and flight, doesn't it? You know, you've got a lion chasing you, you run like hell. Yeah. And and then the emotion discharges itself. I yes. don't say I'm afraid. You say I had a feeling of fear. That's very different to identifying with the fear. Yes. And that identification is, is really important. And this also comes back to language, and I'll come back to physiology in a moment. But the language is, again, what language are you using? You know, are you using language that is about the problem? Is it the language of blame? Or are you using language that's positive? Are you using language that is, and I think this is really important for leadership, Gina, if, if one thing kind of lands today, it would be this. And that is, given the focus piece and the language, using focus and language to really, really be clear about what you want, rather than what you don't want, or what you wish to avoid. So being very, very clear about what you want to focus on because that will relax the physiology so again you know i often use this sort of metaphor of you know i'm not a golfer but if you're on a golfer if you're on a, a, a yes. team and you're about to hit the ball and there's a lot of bunkers down the left hand side and i keep saying to myself whatever you do don't go in the bunker whatever you do don't go in. You can probably feel how my physiology is changing yeah. as I program. The only thing I'm focused on is the bunker. Yeah. Of course, the message should be, and again, metaphorically, I think this is just great in leadership. Yeah. You've got to focus on the fairway. Yeah. And just that simple thing on focusing on what you do want rather than avoiding what you don't, I think is a key tenet of leadership. It's because it's sustainable. You know, you, you know, your point about the woolly mammoth, if you're running from the woolly mammoth, once you're away from the woolly mammoth, where do you go then? 
That's when you need the leadership of what it is you want to create. But the simple... Can I just, just before you move on from there, yeah. I think many people, and I'm sure you've come across them, you know, you're talking about leadership in business, but I have to say that what you we are talking about is just as important in your personal life as it is if you are a leader in a, in a business or a company, that, you know, recognize, do you know what you want? And often when I've worked with businesses and you talk to the team, they're not clear what is wanted they're very clear about what isn't wanted but actually being able to articulate that in a way that other people can take on board is really really important and if you're listening to this and you're a business owner or a business leader and you've got some struggles in terms of getting um, the results that you want this is a really great place to start so sorry to interrupt you but i think it's so important it's and there's a lovely simple question of turning it round. Yeah. So, you know, if you were coaching, if I were coaching an individual, and I, I really love your point about the scalability of this, you know, it works for the individual, it works for the team, yeah. works for the function, it works for the organisation, you know, it's, it's, it's a very, all of this material is very scalable. But at an individual level, if someone wants to lose weight, you can see that's something they want to avoid. You know, so the question would be, well, what's important to you yeah. about losing weight? Yes. So just that very simple question. And what's important to you is a question about values. So they might say, well, you know, I'm speeding this up just for the interview process. But, you know, they might say, well, I want to be fitter. Great. So what's important to you about being fit? I just want to feel lighter. Fantastic. What's important to you about feeling lighter? well, I just will feel much better about myself if I'm lighter and fitter. Can you see the difference between being lighter and fitter yes. compared to losing weight? And it's, 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 I share that because it's just a very simple and elegant coaching question that can turn me away from into what you want to move towards. The key thing that we're really talking about, because the quickest way to change state is to change physiology, the quickest way to change physiology, and you've already touched on this, but just to really land it, yeah. is to change your breathing. And there are many ways that you can do that. But one of the things that is really, really vital, particularly in an uncertain environment, is we talked earlier about agency. If there's a lot of things that you haven't got control of, your breath is the one thing you do have control of. And so just that very simple notion of realizing, oh, I am in control of something. I'm in control of my breathing and that breathing is affecting my state. And this is something that the Navy SEALs do a lot. And obviously their people are taught to do because they're often in situations where you know they may not be in territory that they're familiar with i mean how much unknown is that and the thing they're taught to do is to breathe evenly into their heart space um for in for a count of six and out for a count of six um, it's known as coherent breathing and as you breathe in and out and you regulate that what you're basically doing in terms of state is your coming into a state of coherence, which basically means that the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system are in harmony. 
once you've got balanced breathing and notice you know in when we're tense we tend to shorten our breath we tend to be short of breath and the breath is high up so lower just lowering the breath in and out for an equal count recalibrates the nervous system so you get this coherence and then that just takes practice you know it's not it's not a big deal i would encourage people i work with i encourage them to do it two minutes in the morning um, and that entrains the body to realize that oh okay i just need to come back into coherent breathing and that creates then this coherence where there is what we would call relaxed alertness yes because we've got that you know so we're not so you know because in a leadership context i mean you know we could extend the out breath which would be if you like more of a hypnotic phenomenon which is to really relax somebody that's brilliant for relaxation but we're talking about in a leadership context or indeed if we're talking about the navy seals we're talking about situations where relaxed alertness and being yeah. in a state of readiness and a state of flow but without without all of that incessant chatter of the left hemisphere which disappears actually when you're in a state of coherence so there's a lot to be gained from that and it is just very simple and people will have their own favorite breathe i've shared one there's lots of breathing techniques uh people you know that's why things like mindfulness are so important for leaders because it really does create that capacity to regulate your state yes so you can start taking in more information you go into peripheral vision more easily and you have more options you know, and even if I just slow down my speaking, you know, I can sense there's just more space to come from than when we're hurried and our breathing is too high in the chest. Because then speed, people speed up, their thinking speeds up, their options close down as their thinking and breathing speeds up. That's the important thing in a business context is you lose perspective. You lose a sense of options and what's available to you because once you start breathing too high you go into your left hemisphere and your thinking comes we've got to do this or that yeah that's a dilemma it's not a choice as leaders we have to promote choice and we have to give our teams choices if you create a dilemma what state is that going to create it's either or and then i'm going to get it wrong aren't i i'm either going to go for a or b no we need to be much more sophisticated and again from a place of coherence we realize there's a number of possibilities and options yeah. here and so this is vital for decision making absolutely vital that we don't box ourselves in to an either or decision when by being coherent by slowing things down we can generate lots of options, lots of possibilities, and then have the resources to choose the one that serves our mission the best. There's such a richness to what you're offering. And I hope that the people who are listening or watching this will recognize that these are very apparently simple things that anybody can do, but they have a profound impact on the quality of the way in which you lead your own life and the way in which you lead others. Michael, where can people get hold of you? Um, my email address is michael at marketmatters, all one word. So michael at marketmatters, 
all one word. Sorry, I've missed uh, I missed that out. That's my fault. Apologies. Market matters all one word .co.uk. Thank you. And um we'll have those things in the show notes. Thanks very much, Roxy. Once again, our producer Roxy has saved my bacon. Thank you. Um that's brilliant. Um, just before we finish, mm -hmm. um, those of you who watch the show will know that we are members of B1G1, Buy One, Give One. And one of the things that we ask all our guests is um, to choose one of three projects. We have three projects a month um, for us to donate to on their behalf. And you have chosen um, education for the Dalit girls in India. They are part of the group of girls who are most disadvantaged. They're part of the untouchables, lowest caste. Um, and without the help of uh, some of the projects like the one that we're going to be um, donating to, um, they get no education. And so their life chances are very, very much reduced. So thank you very much for choosing. And that will be going off on your behalf. Um, just before we go, um, once again, can you give people your contact details and then we'll go into the break? Yes, thank you, Gina. Thank you, everybody. Michael at marketmatters.co.uk. Michael, thank you so much. We could talk for hours and often have done. Um, <laughs> thank you for being on the show. Don't go away. We've still got a little bit of time left. I'll see you after the break. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. You have been listening to Gina Gardner on Leadership for Life. We'll be back after this quick break. Want to get the best out of life personally and professionally? Are you ready to step into a life which excites and fulfills you? Well, the right place for you is Leadership for Life with Gina Gardner on W4CY Radio and Talk4TV. We will share with you stories from inspiring people, a wide range of guest experts, and lots of practical strategies to help you get the very best out of your personal and professional life. Leadership for Life is a radio and TV show focused on helping you live a happier, more successful, and fulfilling life. Join international best-selling author, motivational speaker, empowerment and transformational leadership coach and trainer, Gina Gardner, live every Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV. Become the leader of your own life. Gina Gardner's number one international best-selling book, Thriving Not Surviving, The Five Secret Pathways to Happiness, Success, and Fulfillment, provides you with the foundational principles on which to become the best leader of your own life. It's available as an ebook, paperback, hardback, and as an audio from genuinely-u.com or also from Amazon. Every one of the principles have been proven to work for the countless people who have used them, including the author. Now, let's put them to work for you. If you're ready to discover your true leadership life design, accelerate your journey with an invitation to join Gina for Leadership for Life VIP Day. Choose your journey of self-discovery where Gina will help you navigate your way to happiness, success, and fulfillment. To find out more, email gina at genuinely-u.com. Welcome back to Leadership for Life. Here is your host, Gina Gardner. Hi there. 
I just want to spend the last couple of minutes of the show um, asking you a question. If you're a business leader or you are a professional who's got a lot of expertise and experience and you'd like to create a book or a program where you can support others to share your expertise and experience, I'm putting together a mastermind group. And if you're interested in being part of that mastermind group, then email me at gina at genuinely-u.com because there are so many people whose expertise is is just within their very narrow confine and would be of so much value to other people. But it can feel daunting to, to write a book. And if you look on Amazon, you can see that I've written many, many books. So I've got lots of experience. And I have developed, written, created, and delivered many, many programs. And I've been approached by several people. And so I'm going to start up a mastermind group. If you're interested, as I say, please uh, email me and we'll get that put together. So it's Gina, G-I-N-A, at genuinely-u.com. We're almost at the end of the show, and I really want to thank Michael again, because the principle of, of managing your own state, whether that's in your professional life or your, uh, your, your business life, whether you're a leader or not, is so critical in terms of whether you're going to achieve and sustain success. And so just by simple things, by breathing, breathing deeply into your belly and then counting in and out, as Michael has said, just taking yourself off. You know, the Brits are really great at making cups of tea. And I think one of the reasons why that's often the answer, you've got a problem, let's put the kettle on, is because you get up out of the chair and you have control over the kettle and the cup and you do something, a, a task that's got a beginning, a middle and an ending. And by the time you come back, you've had that opportunity to, to shift your state. Recognise that you are the one that has the power to make these changes. And by making what seem like very, very simple changes in your life, you can become truly the leader in your own life. So you know, I'm asking you to take that step so you become the leader in your own life. Please let other people know about the show and join us next week on Leadership for Life. Thanks very much indeed. You take care now. Bye-bye. You have been listening to The Leadership for Life with your host, Gina Gardner. Make sure you tune in to W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV next Thursday and every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time for more Leadership for Life. If you missed any part of this episode or just want to hear or see it again, you can find the archive of the TV show on Talk 4 TV's YouTube channel and the podcast of The Leadership for Life on iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Amazon Music, and wherever you listen to your podcast.